Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Emre Shentürk and this is the second episode of Esido Podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to be here again and uh, that you are too. Um, in case you tuned in for the first episode, um, which I had a lot of fun recording and I hope that you had uh, at least as much fun as I had. Um, so yeah, uh, here are we again talking about politics, society and all that kind of stuff. Um, and today there's, uh, I, I have actually two, two very interesting topics, um, that I'm very excited to talk about, and I think they're going to be, uh, also very useful. So first of all, I'm going to talk about, uh, political systems, um, how we can classify them and understand them in the first place. So, uh, rather than talking about politics as a general term, uh, and understanding, um, Today is going to be about how they translate into reality, how they are structurally formed, or how politics is structurally formed within a system. Um, and related to that, um, and I think uh, most of you will like this um, this topic uh, a little bit better. Um, what makes a good politician? All right. So this is the second topic, and I. Um, put them together because I think it's first of all very important to un get an understanding on how we categorize political systems um, and what the role of politicians because the role of politicians in this one is very important and then um, leading to the second question is uh, what makes a good politician right and uh, there is uh, some need for clarification well let's say it like this you know there's lots of room for discussion and um I'm very excited to, to talk about it. Uh, let me know what you think. I'm very uh, I'm very interested in your opinions as well. And um, let's talk about it. So getting right into it, um, without further ado, uh, unlike uh, the first time we had like a very long intro talking about my motives and stuff, these fall away this time so we can get right into the content. Um, when we think about political systems, um, we can describe them as, um, or a political system, we can describe it as something that is kind of the structural framework uh, within which politics uh, operates. So there is always, like, when people come together, no matter if we talk about two people, three, or three million, or 300 million, uh, it does not matter at some point um, we need to uh, create rules and um, kind of adapt our behavior to one another and in order to do that um, and in order to do that efficiently um, we start uh, yeah we start making rules and once the rules become kind of um, customs or uh, common understanding common sense um, if we will um, we can talk about a political system here in a very rudimentary uh, way of thinking of course 
I mean, today we have complex legal systems and everything is kind of, um, a lot of things are regulated. I mean, border, we have borders, we have military, all these fall under the, um, the competences of um, political systems or are in comp uh, like uh, covered by these. So naturally, whenever we start um, organizing our lives, uh, it becomes a political system. And in order to classify them and categorize them, um, Aristotle has a great way or found a great way back in the days um, to do that and uh, I think it's still valid because it's so comp uh, like encompassing and it does not uh, exclude any um, other opportunity. So let's think about a table first. So um, in, the, in the left column we have the heading uh, number of rulers. So uh, this means uh, how many people are ruling the country. This is the first categorization. The second one is uh, the normal form. Let's um, yeah, let's stick to this um, wording, meaning um, if there's a number of people ruling the country, um, and we are going to into that later. There's a name for that system, right? And uh, in its normal way, there's a name. And then in the third uh, column, there's the perverted form in contrast to the normal form. And the difference between those is the following. In the normal form, the politician or politicians um, are acting selflessly and they are completely dedicated to the nation, right? So um, they have a full commitment, like they have a full intrinsic commitment to further the cause of the nation, whatever they think it might be. And they're acting in a selfless way. So they're not enriching themselves. And this is the normal form. So this is how politicians should behave. Uh, we are getting into that later because this is also part of the second uh, discussion um, of what makes a good politician. And I think it plays a central role there as well. However, and this is where also the connection comes from between the two topics. Anyways, if people don't do it, like if politicians don't do that and act uh, selfishly, it becomes the perverted form. All right. So there's just the, the categorization. How many people ruled it? Do they rule it uh, selflessly or selfishly? And there we can classify our political systems. And I promise you at the end of the discussion, there's going to be a surprise, but I'm not getting to that right now. So we are going step by step uh, through the uh, different rows. There are only three of them. So don't worry, it's not going to be um, too heavy. So first of all, number of rulers, we, we talk about one. When we talk about one ruler, uh, we have tons of examples of political systems that, that were ruled uh, by one person. So we can think about kingdoms, uh, all, all sorts of kingdoms and empires who are ruled by one person or were ruled by one person. I mean, uh, medieval Europe should be... Uh, yeah, should serve as an example. I don't want to count all the all the different empires and kingdoms and uh, and whatnot. You know, uh, it was basically a, a one man or one woman show um, every step of the way in uh, in Europe back then. You know, England, Spain, um, the smaller German kingdoms until they uh, unified. Uh, let's think about Hungary and. Um, Let's, let's think about the Ottoman Empire as well as uh, a Central Asian 
uh, empire and uh, was always ruled by one person. Well, I mean, we can argue that at some point uh, more people were involved, but this is a different discussion. I'm, on paper, it was a one uh, person ruled. The normal form we call monarchy, although it today carries a very bad connotation. I mean, when we think about monarchies, it's always like, oh, so repressive and stuff. That's not the case. A monarch is somebody who is self selflessly, um, 100% dedicated to the cause of the society and the nation, right? Um we kind of misused that, that that word, you know, in in the original sense, it, it is not the case. What we think about and what we call monarchies, wrongfully call monarchies, uh, are uh, is the perverted form, and this is um, the term tyranny, right? So dictatorships, for example, uh, or authoritarian uh, uh, leaders and uh, rulers fall under tyranny because they are selfishly enriching themselves from the position they they have in the society and um, this is the perverted form so monarchy is actually a good thing so that would be an example of a ruler who is um, very wise and acts in the interest of the society uh, the the nation um, develops and progresses you know prosperity and wealth everywhere it's so amazing right uh, so this is this would be the perfect case of a monarchy. As I said today, we are misusing the word, uh, but it's important that you understand that there is the possibility, like the theoretical possibility, of one person ruling a whole country and doing it in an amazing way, right? Uh, we need to get away from the thinking that this is physically impossible. It's not very probable. I'm going to tell you that as well. It's, I mean, history shows... Uh, history shows that this is very very difficult um, and there are structural reasons for that I mean uh, a lot of people struggle to to, to uh, manage their daily business I mean and then try to manage a whole nation this is inc incredibly difficult so uh, naturally it's, it's very difficult so um, and because they called themselves mon and this is very interesting right so Aristotle puts this out somewhat thousands of years ago and there was always like um, this um, glorification of the ancient uh, philosophy so once the one rule uh, one person rule uh, becomes very uh, popular in, in Europe as, they, as it always was they frame it as a monarchy and because they frame it as a mon they, they frame it as a monarchy in order to tell them okay we uh, what, what we are doing this is the normal form right they're not going to say okay i'm i'm a bad ruler so this is a tyranny they're not going to say that why, why should they say this this would be stupid so they call themselves monarchs and not not tyrants and what happens is we carry on this uh, word until today and we today understand under monarchy something bad although the uh, word itself the term means something good uh, but they misused it back then and today we misused it. So we just stuck to that. So it's very it's very sad. But um, anyways, that's the case. Anyways, that's the one-person rule. Then we have the few-person rule. So it means that a group of people, uh, at least two, naturally, uh, because we covered the one-person rule, uh, two or more people um, rule the nation. All right? This is the rule of the few. 
in its normal form and you heard that uh, term as well uh, at least once before it's aristocracy and the perverted form is an oligarchy i know all of these uh, terms should sound familiar and and here it comes we have very few examples of um or let's say less commonly known examples of a few uh, the rule of few we had uh, an aristocracy back in the roman empire when consuls were uh, jointly it's like a like two rulers uh, it was a two ruler system on a rotating uh, on an annually uh, rotating basis um, there was an aristoc um, aristocratic uh, system and other than that let me think i mean whew. They are very, very few. We have more olig uh, oligarchies, though, today, when we think about uh, Russia. Uh, you know, it's, we don't say Russian oligarch uh, for nothing, you know, because these are very powerful people and they have a great influence um, on the nation because of their wealth and they can influence politics. And basically they are... Um, ruling the country through their money and other very commonly known examples are saudi arabia and the united states for example so uh, i mean in the united states i mean this is this might be the the most uh, obvious example of um, a circle of very few powerful people um, rich people in this case um, have have yeah heavily influence uh, politics and basically rule the country according to their will and this is the perverted form of something that should have been an aristocracy where um, a number of people come together like an elitist circle kind of uh, comes together and uh, makes decision decisions on behalf of the nation in order to to foster progress um, i think the main difficult difficulty here is with the few is that uh, when you think for example about a school project or a project at university and you have to do group work right it never ever turns out the way you want it to be and um, you know the grades are going down <laughs> during group projects it's uh, it's a mess the reason for that is because it's based on uh, it's fully based on compromise and there are power relations at hand here as everyone has a, an idea and wants to uh, kind of push it through and uh, in the end the result is not going to be desired by anyone at least not for 100 percent and what happens here is that um, it's very difficult and, and it also takes time you know to make decisions because there's so much discussion around it so so yeah the it's not very efficient um, and maybe this is also the reason why uh, it never really capitalizes uh, capitalized uh, in the past. Although I think it might have potential for great political systems. Anyways, um, coming to the third and last category is the rule of many. So at a certain number that we cannot uh, describe as few anymore i mean of course this is very blurred where is the line between few and many but obviously a hundred thousand people are uh, having influence on the policy making process this is not going to be a few anymore um, when we talk about the rule of many we actually mean that uh, most of the nation is involved 
um, yeah, in the political process. Meaning that we can also talk about the rule of the masses, people who live in the uh, like the citizens of of a nation. Um, are basically deciding how they want to live and um, yeah this that's actually the case um, the normal form of it so when people are um, participating in the policy process in a selfless way it's called uh, a polity and uh, when they are doing it in a selfish way so the rule of many like when the masses are acting selfishly and participate in the policy process and here's a surprise that i promised it's called a democracy yes i mean some people might wonder oh, how how can that be i mean democracies we have democracies everywhere yeah but it's actually a perverted form of um, the polity meaning that we have currently although most countries are organized or at least label themselves as democracies are organized under the, the principle of democracy. Uh, this is the perverted form because people are acting selfishly in the process of voting and engaging with politics. They put they, their um, interests and uh, opinions first and this makes it very, very difficult to arrive to uh, a progressing um, pace of society. And here we have, an, and if you listen closely, in the rule of, on the one-person rule, we have uh, a misunderstanding of monarchy. With the rule of few, we have a different understanding of aristocracy. And here with the rule of many, we have a very, very different uh, understanding of democracy. So this is why I prefer uh, to say that, that well-functioning democracies, as we call them today, are actually polities and not democracies, because this is the perverted form. And um, I think the terminology is very important here. Because once we start being more attentive to what the, the terms actually mean and what they, uh, what they try to tell us, we also become more aware of our own actions and our own place within that system. I mean, personally, I would also prefer the rule of many because in the end, when we think about a nation, um, the broader nation should have uh, the chance to uh, be, or not should have the chance, I mean, they ought to be able to decide how they want to live, right? Uh, I think this is this is a very key key concept. Um, not to mention that in the other two forms of few and one person rule, when they are acting selflessly, I mean, in the end, uh, the results are going to be more or less the same, right? Because the goal and the, the road is the same, but just the structure is a different one. Um, but just from a general principle, I think. Uh, the rule of many is, is, is the way to go, um, but not in a perverted form. And um, I think the attentiveness to understand, okay, where does this word come from and how can we understand it? And that we and when we look at most countries, we can actually see that these are not well-functioning democracies. I mean, 
you just have to think about it this way. Um, if masters are going to be in, included in the in the policy making process, they should be more than just uh, they should do more than uh, just to cross um, or tick a box uh, every four or five years during an election. This is not the exercise of sovereignty. But uh, I'm going to talk about it in a whole different episode. Uh, this is a very deep, uh, deep topic, and I'm um, very into it. So I want to, uh, yeah, spend uh, spend more time on that uh, later on. Anyways, I think it's um, it's important to sketch all these things um, and to talk about these things, so you know all the classifications. Um, and what I wanted wanted to say, actually, in essence, is that uh, normatively. There's actually no difference between them. We should not um, attach too much meaning in the positive or negative sense um, to those terms. A monarchy uh, can um, depicts um, a positive scenario uh, and should be viewed as a neutral term, just as democracy actually depicts a negative scenario. But we should also uh, view it more uh, objectively and not try to... Uh, attach too much uh, of these rosy things um, that we think about democracy today. These are technical terms. They um, show um, or they are used to classify certain systems perfectly fine. And uh, we should use it in a very technical way as I'm doing it. And um, this helps us to also get kind of the fire, the, 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 polit uh, the politization of the whole thing um, out of the way, you know, because when people discuss all these things they get hot and heated you know like you have heated discussions um and this does not take us anywhere so when we talk about these things i want to categorize the system um let's be um, neutral objective um let's not attach too much uh, i mean a tyranny tyrannies and oligarchy they seem or sound so bad uh and um destructive well, there might be, and there are, but when we talk about these as, as a, on a systematic level, on a technical level, let's just treat them as normal words in order to make a more sound assessment of the situation there. Um, if we want to uh, kind of analyze a tyranny and we're just stuck with normative uh, words and connotations, um, this is not very useful for us. But anyways, um, this leads us um, to the second discussion. Um, since uh, the classification of political systems is heavily based on the actors involved, meaning the politicians being either selfless, which is good, and selfish, which is bad. So then we can ask the questions, or the, the, uh, the main question, what makes a good politician? So how can we... Uh, yeah, how can we uh, spot a, a great politician? And um, I kind of developed a roadmap and it starts, actually it um, is very close to Aristotle's uh, thinking as well in, in his first step. Uh, the later steps kind of differ. And uh, in the first place, um, I put the dedication or commitment to nation first. Meaning that every politician or not a, yeah, ideally every politician but a good politician is fully dedicated to the progress of the nation so she is 
fully committed to further the cause of the nation, whatever that might be. And as I said in the first episode, uh, to me, societal progress is the genuine production of knowledge. So if you want to include that, we can make it a more detailed account saying that a good politician is first and foremost fully selflessly concerned with its nation producing genuine knowledge. And this is the main this is the main aspect. So actually we can leave this alone. I mean this is this is what makes a good politician. There's no other way around it. But how um, can we get to this dedication? So what is required in order to be that dedicated um, that you as a politician want to go out and um, kind of push the nation to genuine to produce genuine knowledge, you know, and to progress, to advance. Um, what makes you do that? Um, I touched upon it a couple of times before. It's the selflessness in the, uh, in the, as a precondition to do that. And this means um, that you put the nation above yourself. So you, you are. We can also talk, we can also name it humility in the sense that we say, okay, I'm just one person. I am a politician. All right. I might rule the country. I might rule it with a few others, or I might be, uh, or many people delegated the powers of ruling the country to me. All right. However, saying that I'm serving a greater purpose, which is the nation. And the nation here is an abstract concept that kind of encompasses uh, the politics, the, the, the political and societal aspect of the society that is living there, right? Um, and says, okay, this flag, this anthem, this history, the myths, the culture, the mentality, its past and its future, its territory, obviously, as well. These form the nation, and I put them. Uh, I put this uh, above myself, and I'm just um, kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of a slave of the nation in that sense. Um, and this sort of humility obviously requires uh, a deep belief in the nation, and um, but also that the collective is very important. So why would you do that? I mean, in the end, you're doing it for people you don't know. Right. I mean, there are countries. Most countries have more than uh, a couple of millions, uh, a million of people living there. You don't know them. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't even know one percent of them, right? But you still do it. And the reason for that is um, that these people are kind of visionary in, in how they approach things, and they should be. Um, when we look around the political landscape today. Are there many people like that? I don't know. But we'll get to that um, also as well in the later course of this uh, question because anyways, I'm just going to continue. Another surprise is coming. So how do we um, acquire this selflessness or how can we be, how can we be uh, so humble uh, that we put the nation and all the other people that we don't know, the society, above ourselves. And this has nothing to do with um, nationalism, um, with people uh, wa waving flags and uh, being aggressive uh, 
towards other other nations and ethnicities. It rather, and here comes the interesting point, requires a very strong character, right? When you are a very balanced person and um, are very calm, uh, very positive, like in general, you have a very balanced approach um, to almost everything that happens to you in life. This brings you this humility. I mean, you cannot be humble without being um, balanced on a, on a personal level. This is a kind of blurry thing, but it's just a small step in between because uh, what is uh, required to be kind of balanced is, and this is kind of the core of the whole thing, um, is an immense amount of knowledge and wisdom. So when you work on yourself and develop yourself, you kind of get an expert on certain topics, um, but you also pick pick up a lot of information from from around it, right? You know, from other other fields and academic disciplines. I mean, somebody who is very uh, open-minded is interested in in biology, uh, chemistry, uh, politics, sports, art, and whatnot. You name it. Um, and collecting this this knowledge, you know, soaking it in kind of like a sponge and observing and doing it in a balanced way, you know, produces some kind of a calamity and uh, builds your character. And then you become even more balanced because you are very confident of yourself, right? You understand certain things. And by certain things, I mean you understand a lot, a great part of how life and this whole world works, and this gives you the confidence to remain calm, to remain balanced, to have a very balanced and uh, relaxed approach to things. You know, you don't get easily distracted. You can concentrate on your stuff, and this is also the formula for success. But soaking this knowledge in, right? And, tr and with the aim of becoming wise, you know, and building this wisdom, not just per se for knowing stuff and going out and say, well, I know this stuff, you don't know it. Um, but just for the sake of curiosity is building your character because you become more confident and this relaxes you. And then when you are more balanced, you, your character becomes stronger, you know, and people around, around you will admire you for that. And once you do this, you become selfless because, I mean, you built your character and probably you are going to, not probably, I'm 100% sure that when you are at that point, in if you, you have built such a character, you are going to be uh, successful in, in uh, every aspect of life, right? And then you become selfless because you don't need anything more. You can provide for yourself, both mentally uh and and financially you know you you are independent you are truly in a, in a personal sense independent because you can uh, look back at, at a very strong character a very balanced approach and once you become that selfless you are able to put things above you uh, above yourself and say okay well this is worth more than uh, than i am you know this is a higher cause and i can put this 
wisdom and the, the balanced approach that I have, I can put this to work, you know, to further this higher cause. And in the case of the politician, this is uh, the nation. So here the circle closes kind of, and this is what makes a good politician, right? A very dedicated person to uh, the nation who puts all her talents and wisdom and knowledge uh, and personality and character, puts everything into advancing the nation just for the sake of doing it, just for believing that we need to advance. And you probably say, okay, well, this, this is pretty nice, but name me one of them. I know. Uh, and I understand you. Um, I have a very romantic view of, of the perfect politician. I'm, I'm going to admit that, yeah. But uh, I'm firmly believing in that. I'm firmly believing it. Just because we don't have any right now or very few people, right? It does not mean that they do not exist or have not existed in the past before. This is very important to understand. I'm not going to say not all politicians are bad. No, this is such, I don't like these kind of expressions, you know, that can be used uh, elsewhere and stuff. No, what I'm saying is, I understand how we come to the conclusion to say uh, politicians are generally corrupt, uh, cannot be trusted and everything. I understand how we arrive to that thought and we see it in the actions every day and stuff. But this is not normatively what being a politician is about. You're not getting go, going um, be becoming a party member and they're going to show you how to rip off people you know <laughs> this is not maybe, maybe they do I'm not uh, I'm not a party member but um, nobody nobody can convince me that in essence being a politician is a bad thing uh, to be perfectly honest with you to me and uh, you might bash me for this uh, the profession of a politician is to me the highest profession a person can um, exercise. The fact that many of them, or ninety percent of them, are doing it in a <laughs> are doing it wrong, doesn't make the profession itself a profession itself a bad thing, right? And I think we should um, just keep this in mind, uh, and hopefully this will change. Um, as a final part, like uh, as a sub-discussion to that, uh, I think it links to the question um, of how we can uh, properly assess a good politician. How can we understand whether this person um, who's talking there is a good politician or not? I mean, as I said, there's uh, we, we need to think about the true dedication to, na to the nation. Uh, there should be this commitment that um, the politician wants to f foster progress and... Uh, push for uh, genuine uh, knowledge creation and naturally because these are intrinsic things we cannot look into the heart of, of a person yeah um, but there are some indicators that we can build our assessment uh, assessments around and um, first of all it's um, a person or a politician who start uh, who seeks discourse um, is very important you know discourse especially in democratic systems. I'm going to use the common term here because I don't want to confuse you with polity and stuff. By the way, uh, now that I'm mentioning it, um, 
this is where also politics and political comes from you know so just uh, just for you to know it's actually the adjective of the normal form of the rule of many okay just in parentheses uh, i don't want to mix up too much um, right now anyway so how can we know um whether a person or whether a politician is good or not the person seeks uh the discourse um tries to engage with uh the people around uh, her and um with the people that are with the citizens um this is very important because uh, as i said um these people like um wise people try to understand the perspectives of uh, of the of the citizens uh, and of the sur surroundings in general you know and you cannot rule the country if you don't know uh, what the desires are of the country as i mentioned in the first episode um, a nation is <clears throat> very much based on um, um, on the mentality aspect of a society and because it's an organic thing or uh, it, yeah, it's an organic uh, process kind of this is also subject to change right so mentalities change uh, and we're subject to uh, different dynamics such as globalization and stuff so they need to be on top of it and the only way you can do it is uh, through discourse second of all and i think this is this is a very um, strong indicator although not um, the I, I wouldn't go i wouldn't go that far to say that this is the single most important factor but i think it's it's very important it's very strong a good politician respects other nations this might sound counterintuitive to the first point that i mentioned that the person or the politician needs to be very dedicated to their own nation but hear me out on this one when somebody respects other nations and other ethnicities in a genuine way and you can tell i mean you can i mean at least you can tell if somebody is racist or not right you can tell um but this shows if you are able to respect others it means that you respect yourself in the first place so if you see a politician genuinely engaging with with other countries uh leaders but also uh, within the the with the foreigners uh within their own country and they're very welcoming and and warm-hearted towards these ethnicities and religions and uh other nations people uh, it means that they have again and then we are back to the character thing they have a very balanced character character and that they are able to to love themselves they are very confident about themselves and about uh, their nation in turn right so because they are so balanced and love themselves they they are also able to love their nation you know they, they put it uh, they link practically the idea of the own nation to their own character and once you can love yourself you can also love others and this shows in respectful behavior towards others right so um, i think this is a very strong indicator and i think you you are with me on this because this has also some real life application as you might know people around yourself um in your i don't know friends family what what not you know um those who love themselves and are confident about themselves not in a very um offensive way or like in a narcissistic way but in a very balanced way they they love themselves and stuff 
they are mostly the ones who can who put the most respect on other people's names and this is the same thing with politicians and nations so this is a good indicator that you can uh, maybe turn to uh, another one is um, that these people do not utilize speech to manipulate. They just talk normally, right? So I can give you the example right here from, from, from my podcast. When we think about uh, social media nowadays, the way the, the people on the internet, on social media platforms like Instagram, YouTube and stuff, they talk, they talk loud in a not very authentic way they try to kind of, I don't know, it's like a fake energy around them, you know, say, hey guys, what's up, well, how are you doing, and I don't know, what not, you know, they're very, I mean, you, you probably get what I'm, what, what I'm trying to tell you, you know, they're not very authentic, it's like, I don't know, just like very fake, and politicians do that as well, so, for example, politicians step to the podium and says, dear nation, and then they look around, make like the pauses. We are stronger together. Dude, come on, just tell me what you want to tell us. You know, like they, they're going out there all the time telling the same stuff over and over again. We need to get some shit done, to be honest here. It's not about, oh, we're str of course we're stronger together. Just go there and say, okay, we have this legislation, guys. Um, I think these and these aspects are good. Um and uh, we kind of need to, to figure these other aspects out. What do you think? I mean, a good politician talks to the citizens in a way that, it, that he or she would talk to um, uh, the peers as well. Because a good politician takes uh, her citizens uh, seriously. Right? This is a very important aspect. I mean, they would go out... Obviously, I mean, if there's a special occasion, there's going to be a nice speech and so and such. But I mean, in general, uh, the main point here is that uh, when you are going out there and talk like you would talk to a six-year-old and call it a speech, right? Then you're just trying to fool people. And people, I mean, if you get fooled, I'm sorry, man. You, that's, that's fucked up, but um, a politician should not be going out there in the first place trying to manipulate in such a plain and obvious and cheap way. I mean, it's very cheap going out there with all these pauses and uh, whatnot. I, I don't like that. Uh, I think what's very important here to um, to underline is that, these, uh, that a good politician would go out... Um, hold a speech in a way that is uh, engaging authentic uh, but also informative um, what i really don't like about contemporary uh, politicians is that they do not go into detail of the of the plans that they have so they uh, kind of hold the technical parts for themselves this is also why, why i think uh, this podcast is very important because i'm trying to put in some technical knowledge as well because i think uh um, people just understand when you tell them. It's not like people don't understand. I mean, come on. It's not like people are dumb or something like that. We, we just there's no no source of information, and I mean politicians should should be aware of that. If they go out and tell about taxation schemes and stuff, it's not just oh it's going to um, 
let's say they're increasing taxes, right? Or cutting taxes, it does not matter. And they go out and make a statement with this new innovation or with this great step, we are one step closer to welfare prosperity for everyone. There's no technical knowledge in that statement that we can use and make an assessment on whether this is a good measure or not. I'm not going to tell, uh, I'm not, I'm not telling you that they should go out and put out formulas and stuff. No, this is too heavy. This is not necessary. This is also not uh, citizens' business. I mean, people working eight to twelve hours. I don't know how many hours you work, but uh, and then and then they come home, right? They don't want to have none of this. But I mean, there should be at least a, a certain level of of um, taking uh, citizens seriously and saying, for example, okay, uh, we envision with this taxation scheme that these uh, these and uh, this and this effect kind of sets in. Um, because we uh, saw these kind of dynamics evolving throughout the last uh, couple of years, that would be enough. And then they, they are also able to say, okay, well, it didn't work out because these and these factors evolved and we have to uh, go back to the other taxation scheme that we uh, had as an alternative. That's it. That's it. Like politics is not difficult. Come on. But people who talk like this um, can be considered great politicians. Um there are a uh, few, only a few. I don't know any politicians who do this today. Maybe Germany's, Germany's can, uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel. She's she's um, she's all right with a lot of topics. Um, other than that, I don't know. Like, nah. And I also don't want to go into that too much, you know, I just want to give you a guide how to assess uh, these kind of things. So, um, yeah, I had like the last point, you know, leading by example, but I mean, if you if you live, uh, uh, what I mean by that is, if you live this dedication to the nation, you know, if you show this commitment that you, that you really want to help people, you know, help your nation progress and you know, people uh, and the and the nation should should uh, prosper under your rule. Uh, I mean, it really shows. So they're leading by example. They're disciplined and they kind of uh, bring the, their whole energy with them uh, in order to elevate the nation. So this is a great thing. Uh, this is the last point. I mean, it's not very um, it's not a very strong indicator because it's very subjective. But I think uh, this should be also be mentioned in this list so to sum up uh, how we can understand or how can we uh, how we can uh, spot uh, a good politician is that the politician seeks uh, the discourse um, both with uh, the peers and uh, the citizens respect other nations because if you don't love yourself uh, you cannot respect others and in an attempt to understand whether the politician loves their own country we can look how foreigners are treated. Um, third um, is does not utilize speech to manipulate, talks normally. So the way um, you would talk to your friends uh, discussing a very important topic, the way a politician should, that way the politician should also talk to the citizens and leads by example um, and really translates uh, this character into action um, and pushes 
practically the agenda with uh, the intrinsic energy. So yeah, we are through both topics for today. Um, I had a lot of fun. Maybe you can uh, quickly recap. So we had the, politi uh, the political systems uh, according to the classification of Aristotle. Then we talk about what makes a good politician. And in the first place, we have the the, the true or the genuine commitment uh, to the uh, to the nation, which requires selflessness. Selflessness requires a strong character, and strong character is built through hard work on the mind, meaning that an immense amount of knowledge and wisdom is being built um, over the years. And this uh, basically is yeah the corner, corner, cornerstone of, of a strong character, a balanced character that approaches things uh, in a good way. How can we know? And once again, uh, the politician seeks the discourse with uh, the professionals in the field as well as citizens, respects other nations, does not utilize speech to manipulate uh, or talks talks normally and leads by example. All right, guys, that's it for today. I hope uh I could provide you with some useful in insights uh, and have an interesting discussion. And uh, yeah, I'm still th thinking whether I'm going to cut out the part where I'm just uh, kind of <laughs> impersonating the YouTube guys. But uh, I mean, I'll probably leave it in for you guys to to have a have a good laugh at me uh, talking about balanced character. To be honest. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, I, I had a lot of fun and I uh, hope uh, you had a lot of fun as well. And uh, here next time on the Cedar Podcast. Bye.